everyone, welcome to Be The Change. My name is Lily Mott, and today I'm going to be talking about how change comes when we step up to the plate. Okay everybody, buckle up, because I have a very, very special guest to share with you today. Rachel Belkovec is a name that you've probably seen in the news, and I am so excited to share her story with you today. Rachel is the first woman to be hired as a full-time hitting coach in the history of professional baseball. Let me give you a little context about this accomplishment. The National League of Baseball Clubs, which would later become Major League Baseball, was founded in 1876. It's 2020, y'all, and Rachel is stepping into her new position as hitting coach of the New York Yankees minor league team. It's taken almost 150 years for a woman to step up to the plate, pun intended, and secure a position working in professional baseball. While she faced countless gender barriers and challenges on her path, Rachel persevered and fought to become a trailblazer for women in sports. So, on that note, I asked Rachel to tell me her story facing gender barriers on the path to the major leagues. And, as Rachel will tell you, this is the very long story short. Some of the main ones, I think, when I was first getting in the game, and you have to understand, I, I like to really give you a good framework. You know, when I first got in 2012, I was an intern for the Cardinals, and there were no women. And I mean, like, there were no nutritionists, no mental skills people, no analysts, women, no sports science, you know, just it was me and there was another intern, female intern actually for the Cardinals. And then there was a handful of athletic trainers that had been hired. Like I'm talking about four or five around the entire league and minor league, major league combined. So we're talking about like, you can ha can't count the amount of women on one hand that were working in on-field positions for major league baseball. And so, you know, it, when you're at the beginning of anything, it's just never easy. And I think from the beginning, pretty quickly, not right away, and I wasn't always this graceful, I guess, <laughs> but pretty quickly, I just knew that I had to like have deafness and blindness <laughs> some days and just let things fall, roll off my back. And if there was an awkward interaction of any kind, really, I just was like, well, this is what I signed up for. You know, when you sign up for something like that, I believe personally, this isn't everyone's belief, but I believe that you take on a responsibility and you agree to take on that responsibility willingly to understand that not everything is going to go smoothly and there are going to be some people that don't want you there because just because I signed the piece of paper to, you know, sign a contract with the major league organization doesn't mean that automatically everyone in that organization is happy that I'm there. So I just really firmly believe that if you're part of change, then you should be willing to be the ambassador that that requires. And I, I don't mean to say that I was, again, I wasn't always graceful and I let people know you know, I let, probably let him know a little too much at first that it wasn't okay. And I, I now I'm just like, I almost look at people that I have weird interactions with. And when I say weird interactions, it could be anything from a player hitting on me to a coach talking down to me to whatever. When that stuff happens, and by the way, it happens less and less and less as I get more years in the game and just more respect and more people knowing where I'm coming from. I just go, well, you know, 
I feel sorry for you. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I feel so sorry you don't know how to talk to a woman. Or I feel so sorry for you that you're so close-minded that you don't think that I belong here. Or I feel sorry for you that you feel awkward or insecure by my presence. I don't say those things. I just think to myself in my head, I'm like, okay, well, we'll try again tomorrow. You know, I'm like, well, this is just normal. This is how change goes. And so I just kind of have accepted it again as part of the process. And I'm happy to be the person who gets to be a part of that process. I take the responsibility seriously and it's okay when things happen. That whole backstory was to kind of explain the climate of the situation when I was first getting in eight years ago. But the, when I was first getting in, I just, I had an experience for the better part of two years where I did that little internship for the Cardinals. I don't want to say little, I mean, it was a huge, huge uh, foot in the door for me in my career. But very short, you know, three, four months, I was getting paid a stipend at the end of the season. They were like, well, you did a great job, but, uh, you know, we'll let you know in spring training if we have something for you six months from now. And I'm like, oh, you can't hold on to that. So I had moved to Phoenix, started prerequisites for a PhD in nutrition. And if you know anything about baseball, there are 15 teams that are based that have their headquarters in Phoenix. And I was coming up on the season. So I applied with my resume, which let's, I skipped over a lot of this, but let's recap my resume. Division one catcher, LSU, Arizona State, Los Tigres de Licey, which is a, I had moved to Dominican. I spoke some Spanish. I worked for the St. Louis Cardinals. I worked for Athletes Performance. I had an incredible resume for a young person. So I started sending that out. I just got absolutely no replies. And I was at the time so naive to what was going on that I thought, oh, well, well I just got to work harder. You know, I was like, oh, I just got to do more internships, even though I already had six internships on my resume, including some of the best organizations literally in the country. You're talking about Arizona State and LSU baseball. I don't know who has that on their resume even now. So anyway, I, I was really confused, but I was like, well, I just have to work harder. And these positions are very high, highly sought after. So what ended up happening, though, that really opened my eyes and to how na just how naive I was, was that I got a call late in spring training by one of the teams that are based in Phoenix. And he said, hey, one of our guys quit. We really need someone. Are you still local in the area? And I was like, yeah, of course. And so we went through the interview process, met him in person. He was like, yeah, you're, you're a shoo-in. Like, you're the person I want to hire. I'll call you tomorrow. We'll start the HR process. I'm like, cool. Never heard from him. And I was like, well, still so naive. I was like, that's weird. Why was, you know, and I just kind of was very, I followed up. I did the email. I called him. Nothing just totally ghosted me. So several weeks later, I finally get a phone call from him. And he's like, hey, I'm calling you to apologize. I am very sorry. I wanted to hire you, but our administration stopped me because you're a woman. And I just wanted to be honest and let you know what you're up against. And I was like, whoa, you know, that's first of all, very illegal. Second of all, like shocking that someone was so honest about that. But I was grateful. I was relieved because I, you just, it was, I was confused. I was like, what's going on here? I got through that process, was just very confused. And he also said, also, I called around to all these other places and emailed people because I know they've opened jobs. And everyone said, yeah, yeah, we got her resume because she applied for every job, but we can't hire her. So he basically opened my eyes to, and I'm so grateful for him because I would still be wondering, you know, I'd still wonder, what, was I just, it's like, you wonder, am I not qualified? I'm not good enough? Like, is, is somebody blackballing me that I can't get this job? I actually started to wonder if the Cardinals were. I'm like, did I do something wrong? I thought they said I did a good job. I don't know what's going on. So anyway, that story was deleted to like the following year. So I sat that year out. I waitressed. I worked again. I did two unpaid internships at Arizona State. I worked again, part-time internship at Arizona State, going in five in the morning, working with two to three teams, and then heading to my waitressing job. So I waitressed. I did Arizona State. I worked at Lululemon briefly. 
just to like make ends meet, I picked up a very, very light internship with the Chicago White Sox that more or less was cleaning the weight room and like babysitting players. And uh, I finally come around the next year, I was going to be applying for jobs. And I just was like, I don't, I, they're not even going to look at my resume. You know, once they see my name on the email, they're not even going to look at my resume. And they're definitely not going to call me to talk to me and see what kind of coach I am and what my experiences have been. So I was talking to my sister and she said, well, why don't you change your name on your resume and see what happens? And I was like, oh, that's, that's so funny. You're so funny. And then I was like, oh, that's a good idea. <laughs> I just got really serious about it. So I changed my name to Ray, R-A-E. And uh, I sent it out and I got immediate responses through email. And I got, I mean, immediate, like within a day saying, hey, we're interested, we'll be in contact. And then I got a phone call, I think the next day, was a guy looking for Ray. And I said, I said, oh, this is she. And it got real awkward, you know? And so anyway, long story short from that, I just, I changed my name and I changed it back pretty quickly because I felt after I got the phone call that ended very awkwardly, I just was like, okay, that was a desperate attempt. And it was out of complete desperation and me waitressing for a year instead of coaching. And I just thought, you know, if they don't want to hire me because I'm a woman, I just have to accept it. And I, I'm not going to work for them. Like, I don't want to work for somebody who's going to discriminate based on gender anyway. So it was pretty short lived, to be honest with you. It didn't get me anywhere, but it did get me a little hope. Like I was like, oh, okay, like my resume is good. All this hard work I've been putting in, all these internships I've done, all these experiences, working for free, working for almost nothing. It is paying off. It's just going to take that one person to do it. So late in that off season, really late, I was assuming that I wasn't going to get hired yet again. And I ended up calling, uh, I ended up getting a phone call from the Cardinals who I'd worked for previously that ended up hiring me full time as their minor league coordinator that year. But I mean, I'm telling you, if it wasn't for them, I probably would have sat on another season. I was planning on moving to Boston and doing an internship with Eric Cressy. So I was I mean, I say I was fortunate to only have to sit out one season truly, but easily could have turned into more. And I just think for sure, Pete Prinzi with the St. Louis Cardinals, like we talk about visionaries or just people who are on the front end of it. He tipped it off. You know, he put me in, not only did he hire me as a strength coach, but he hired me as a minor league strength and conditioning coordinator where I was overseeing 10 male strength coaches, 250 athletes, assisting with all of the major league operations. I, it was a huge job. I was traveling all over the country and he gave me the opportunity when I could even get an internship. So it was pretty incredible. Definitely a very, very markedly difficult year for me personally, but something that I'm just, I'm so glad I went through that now. After hearing about all of these challenges that Rachel has overcome and that she faces every day as a trailblazer in her field, I became interested in why. Why was Rachel the first woman essentially in professional baseball? Why has it taken almost 150 years for a woman to break through that gender barrier? I asked Rachel why she thinks it's taken so long for a woman to rise to her position. And this was Rachel's response. Well, I have a good friend named Molly Galbraith. I'm just going to credit her with this because I just love it. Um, she runs a company called Girls Gone Strong, and she just is very uh, aware of just how change happens, you know, specifically for women, but in general. And she has a great phrase change happens from the top down, the bottom up, inside out, outside in. Like there's no, there's no, well, you know, men are just, men just hate women. You know, that that's just such a closed minded, limited viewpoint. And to be honest with you, I'm always curious to understand what, what are women applying for these jobs? And the answer is no. And I can tell you the answer is no, because I've been on the receiving end of resumes as a coordinator, especially early 
2014, when I was hired as, as the minor league coordinator, 2015, I was also a Latin American coordinator in the Astros organization for two years. So four years of being a coordinator, receiving all these resumes, being a part of the interview process. I'm telling you on the, on one, I, during those years, now this could have changed because it's changing very rapidly, but during those years, 2014, basically to 2017, 18, I probably received five resumes from women. And I, we can't blame the men for not hiring women if there aren't women applying, you know, it's like, so I think it's, I think it's obviously people being open-minded at the top, which means men have to be open-minded to the idea of uh, allowing or permitting or empowering a woman to be in a position. But then also like women have to have the idea that it's possible for them to hold these jobs. So where does that come from? I mean, it's like, this is a deep conversation. I've obviously reflected on this quite a bit, but I mean, I was primed for this situation since I was 10, you know, and this starts with my own father making us capable, my sister, their two sisters, making us capable women. And we were mowing the lawn. We were shoveling the snow. We were raking the leaves. We were helping change the oil. My dad took me to the gym when I was 11 and I developed this sense of um, belonging in a male, in a men's world, you know? And so it's really deep for me to where I don't even, it's like I take credit for some of it, but I can't even take credit for it because the, the way that I was even able to have the idea to apply, have the balls to apply because, excuse me, you know, have the, I don't know, ovaries to apply, whatever you want to say. But it's like the reason why I even have that, the gall, the, the ambition to do that is because of the way that I was raised, the experiences I had with men as a young woman to where when I was 23 years old at LSU, I'll never forget, I was 23, I was looking up jobs in professional baseball because I was interested in getting into it. And I couldn't find any women's names. And it didn't even occur to me until I was 23. Did not occur to me that I might be the first woman to hold a job. I didn't even, I was, didn't even register. And then when I found out, what's even more impressive, because most women would stop there. But when I found out, I was like, oh, no big deal. I was so naive and I was just so like ambitious and didn't let those things stop me. But that's from a foundation of, of really feeling like I belong feeling capable, just being strong in general, outspoken, physically strong, you know, training. I think that plays a part, physically strong, feeling like I can hang with the boys and I still do. And I'm 33. Those all things play, those things all play a part. So why has it taken so long? I mean, well, women aren't even applying for the jobs. How can we say that it's like, well, it's because the men just are mean, like that's not all, that's not completely true. So I think it's top down and bottom up for sure. I was excited to ask Rachel the money question. What advice do you most want to share with young people who want to make a difference in this country? And here are her words of wisdom. Know what you're signing up for, you know, is one of them, but also like, don't complain about it. You know, when, when women are like, well, we need to have more women in these positions. I'm like, we need to have more qualified women and we need to have more women that are willing to, I don't like to use the word grind, but persist and be resilient and don't complain. I don't want to say don't complain about discrimination, but it's like, it's going to happen. It will happen. We are still in a time where it will happen, where things that things are going to happen that are not okay. And and you just are going to have to deal with it for the sake of yourself, of course, but also for the sake of others. So know what you're signing up for and know that you're signing up for two jobs and you're, it's not just about you. And then also like, when I say don't complain about it, I would even go as far as saying like revel in it. You know, being an underdog is an advantage. And 
gosh, I just look at my resume and the things that I did and early in my career. And maybe I wouldn't have had to do those things if I hadn't been discriminated against. But I'm so glad that I did because now I'm just better. I'm just simply better. The experiences that I've had in my career have made me able to rise faster. And even though, for example, like I'm a hitting coach now. So like, look, I'm learning a lot. Like I'm at the, I'm a baby again. You know, I'm like kind of crossed over in careers to some point. So I'm like a child again and I'm relearning some things, but I'm telling you based on, because I have that foundation of coaching and those experiences in high level areas, I'm going to learn faster than the average person. I'm going to get better at a faster rate than the average person. And I would never take that back. I'm so glad I went through it. I'm so, so glad. I'm so appreciative. And now when things pop up that are difficult, I don't get mad about it. I, I truly can look at it in the moment and go, okay, well, you're going to be in the movie. I'm not upset about it. This is just another, it's another story I can tell, you know, about something that was difficult or discrimination or a weird interaction of some kind of a negative interaction. I'm not upset about it. It makes me better. It makes me have an edge. So I think that anyone who's being oppressed, it's like, do not feel sorry for yourself. You should appreciate that because if you choose to be resilient and to fight through whatever challenges you face, you'll be stronger in the end for it. And there's not a single person out there who's had an easy path that's going to be able to compete with you. It was so great to talk to Rachel. And I want to quickly share my takeaway from her advice. It's such simple advice to say, oh, don't complain. And I'm sure we've all heard it many times. But Rachel took that advice one step further to not only say, don't complain, but she says, revel in it. Revel in being challenged and facing roadblocks because, as she says, being the underdog is an advantage. When people tell you no, take it as a challenge to work harder and try again. Learn from your setbacks and your rejections because it will only make you stronger and more resilient on the other side. Rachel embraced the challenge and emerged as a trailblazer for women in professional sports. But we need more stories like Rachel's. We need young people to revel in being the underdog. Because change comes when we step up to the plate. Thank you so much for listening to this episode, and you can connect with Rachel Balkovec on Instagram at rachel.balkovec and Twitter at underscore Rachel Balkovec. For more information about Rachel and her path to the MLB, check out her website, which is linked in the description of this episode. If you want to talk about anything I mentioned, please reach out to me by email at lily at bethechangepodcast.org or on Instagram at bethechangepodcast. Tune in for my next episode, but until then, be the change you wish to see in the world. Bye, guys.